Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. My guest this week is Dan Taylor. Dan is a pastor, he's also a very funny comedian, and he also has a podcast called Holy Shit, where he basically talks about Bible stories uh, with different people, and uh, I was on it a couple weeks ago, so uh, check it out, it's a lot of fun. I just want to appreciate uh, all the support I'm getting for the podcast, everyone who's listening, thank you so much. If you can, please uh, go give it a good rating on iTunes or Apple Music and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Both those things help out with it getting seen and I do really appreciate it. And I'm constantly getting a lot of uh, cool guests coming up so I'm going to keep bringing out the content every week and uh, you guys keep listening. Uh, Yeah, I really do appreciate it. Without further ado, this week's podcast guest, Dan Taylor. All right, well, welcome to God, Yay or Nay. Today, my guest is Dan Taylor. We got a comedian and pastor. Uh, thanks for joining yeah. us, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, man. Uh, so we went on the road first time probably, I'm thinking, five, six years ago. Oh, were we in Knighton, Alberta together on a Uloth show? Yeah. I think so, yeah, you love shows. So what we did is uh, we used to do these uh, charity shows um, for usually for pets. So like you know for animal shelters, and we would go to uh, small towns like all over the place. And uh, yeah, we did a show together. Uh, that was the first time I met you. That was a good time. Yeah. I think so, and those shows, and I mean they were fun shows. And you left, puts uh, it's a good business. So like I'm not crapping on anything, but there was so random. With those shows, like how, like I think I did. Were you you might have done with me in Kensington in Calgary? So Kensington is like a hippie neighborhood in Calgary, and like I remember, I was middling, and they put on. They were like the guy's mic died for some reason, and then he was like, "Well, I guess we're just gonna play the video." And they played this like Sarah McLaughlin sad dogs dead video. And then they're like, and now we're going to bring up your comedian with no mic. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that oh. was actually uh, one of the bad things about those, like, at a pet uh, charity. Yeah, you would get, like, yeah. an actual, like, sob story of, like, the yeah. pets that, like, of course, it's horrible what happens to some of these pets. But then they're, like, trying to raise money, and they're trying to give a sob story. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, your comedian, Dan Taylor, right here. <laughs> It's like, all right, everybody yeah. ready to laugh? So now that we've just heard about all of these dying dogs, like, <laughs> who's ready for some comedy? Yeah, you know? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Actually, but, yeah. uh, this is a perfect uh, segue because the one thing I've always respected about you is just like uh, comedy and uh, a pastor. Like, hmm. that's two really cool things. Can you give uh, yeah. my audience a little bit of a background? Like, uh, how, how you came to be. Well, so so I'll start with the comedy thing and then we'll, the, the pastor thing is like a longer story and I don't even know how I got there. But like I when I, I started doing full-time church work, so full-time like working in a church Christian ministry, 
about 2011. And, uh, and I realized really quickly that I wasn't ever, I was a social worker before I did a bunch of different stuff. But like, um, once I got started doing that, I realized really quickly I was only ever around people who believed all of the exact same things that I believed. And that's just not a cool place to be. Like, I think it's, it's really just like, I just felt like I was just getting locked in this bubble where I'm like, does any of this make sense? And and I do, and I had seen other people that had like been in like church work or Christian ministry that just like forgot how to speak to people who didn't believe exactly what they believed. Like it, it was all of this kind of insider jargony stuff all the time. And I'm just like, I didn't want to do that. So, um, like I, I just started reaching, like looking around for a thing that I could do that would just make me be around people that I, that didn't believe what I believed in. And, uh, so I ended up at the Druid, you know, one night, like I was interested in stand up, and then I kind of checked out the Druid. And, and I mean, if you remember the Druid in Edmonton, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so the bar no longer exists as the Druid. It's uh, like, I think it's on its like third thing now, but there used to be an open mic there that a bunch of us started it. And it was kind of a zoo of a room. Like it was a really friendly room in some ways that like, it was great because I lo- like it was this weird room where the if the audience didn't like you within thirty seconds they would just like talk amongst themselves <laughs> like they weren't rude they didn't really heckle they didn't really you know they weren't like mean but they were just like if you didn't have it they were just like well we're just gonna talk we're we're gonna have a good time without you <laughs> oh, I remember I remember <laughs> so. And I just thought that, like, so anyway, first night there, like, I went and watched one night, and then I was just like, I don't know, something happened in me, and I was like, I want to be good enough to be funny in this room. You know, when I started doing comedy, some people start, their, do their first open mic, and they're like, and this is the plan for how I'm going to get my, like, theater tour, you know, like, or how I'm going to get my sitcom, and they, they had all that planned out. I was already an adult with, like, supposedly, like, a career so I was just like, I just wanted to be good in that room. Like, I just yeah, yeah. really, really wanted to be. I just really wanted to like do comedy in that room and have people like not just start talking amongst themselves. Um, so that was kind of what got me hooked. But because I had a lot of public speaking experience, and because like there's, uh, I was good right away. And and I started in 2011, which was a bit of a boom time for for comedy. So. When I got really lucky in that when I started, like if you had a clean five, people were like, I'll give you a hundred bucks to come do your clean five before just to warm up a corporate audience. And then I was like, I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, so like I started in December of 2011 that winter, I was already doing paid gigs, like not a ton of money or anything like that. But like at the time there was just a ton of corporates and not a lot of people with corporate time. So yeah. no, that's yeah. the, like for the audience, just to like let them know, like uh, to get paid gigs that early, it's like unheard of. Saying like that is like uh, insanely fast that uh, you can just like go into uh, five minutes uh, of comedy and being able to get paid gigs. That's like very extremely, mm-hmm. extremely rare. So uh, that is uh, that's impressive. Well, and I cheated a little bit because prior to that, I had been like preaching for a decade. So I knew how to stand in front of a group of people and talk, right? Like I I knew how to do that. And that's like a significant percentage of, of, is just like learning how to be in front of people. 
mm-hmm. you know, and being comfortable in silences. And, you know, I think an advantage that I had was that, like, I didn't, like, remember the first time you bomb? But, like, and you can see it in new comics still, that, like, if someone, when you can see, they know that they're bombing, like, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, so, which always make comedians are horrific people, so we enjoy watching <laughs> people suffer. But, you, but most of it is just like, they don't know how to be comfortable in silence. And and I knew, okay, I just gotta ride this until five and get off, right? Like, this isn't the worst thing. And um, so I kind of cheated a little bit with that, and then I got going, and then, and in all honesty, it was weird because I remember people talking about, and you would have heard this, like there are some zoo rooms in like rural Alberta, just like places where it is really tough. But I'm like, I remember doing a week at, ju- like speaking at junior high camp. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is never going to be as bad as junior high camp. <laughs> like, like, it's never going to be like, like going to, to, you know, like white court to do uh, some bar where nobody is going to pay attention to you is not as hard as being the speaker at a junior high church camp, <laughs> you know, where you're just like every oh, really? No, because it's like every night you're just talking about Jesus in front of 45 horny 13-year-olds, right? <laughs> like, you know, like half of them are like, they're like, they're just, it's just, that's the hardest gig that I've ever done, you know? And it's you for an entire week, right? So like, I like, so I would speak at these church camps and I don't know if you ever went to a church camp, but like, Church camp in the summertime is like a week where it's like, so twice a day there's like a chapel service. So you, t- you sing some songs and you talk about Jesus and then you go out to like, like paddle a canoe or like, you know, do a craft or play some sports or whatever. And, and especially for junior high camp, like it's a lot of relationship drama because it's like people are horned up and everything is compressed into a week. So... If you pick up somebody at pick up somebody at camp, like there's like you would have a camp boyfriend or girlfriend, but like you, no physical contact actually took place. It was just playing out a relationship drama. But the entire thing happens within this within the scope of two days, so everything is just super intense. And then and then for forty five minutes a day, here's like, hey, look at me, I'm going to talk to you all about Jesus. <laughs> And yeah, you just ruined everybody's time. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I went to uh so I went to a Muslim camp when I was younger. So like okay, I, yeah. I know the kind of the thing. Uh, you just take yeah. away canoeing and replace it with cricket. It's pretty much the same deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, you have your twenty minutes, but like the the like in it like whatever age you were, if you're there in junior high, what you're really interested in is like. It's like there are girls here, <laughs> you know, or there are <laughs> no girls at Muslim camp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how we keep them Christian. <laughs> <laughs> we just marry them off to each other. <laughs> it's, like, that's a, it's a good strategy. That's a- but that's the but that's the risk. So it was weird. It's just like so when I started doing these bar gigs, it's like 
they're adults. Like, you know, like, like it wasn't, it wasn't as hard. And also it was doing like five rather than 45. And it's just like, there were no one's eternal souls are at stake. So it was just so much easier. I found that being like, yeah, it's like, that was just the, I remember people talking about like how hard heckling rooms were. And I mean, dealing with hecklers is hard. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, I was like, junior high camp was sucks. Like, <laughs> All right, so you actually, yeah, that's actually pretty funny. You had like a tougher audience uh, back in your day, and then you come in and you're like, oh, this is easy. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Most comedians don't ever come down that. <laughs> I can just, I just gotta wrangle drunks. That's like being in high yeah. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drunks are horny teenagers. I think I'll go with the drunks. I agree with you. <laughs> they still have horniness in common, but like. <laughs> So uh, let me ask you then, um, so when it came to like this whole, uh, like becoming a pastor and going through this Bible study, and was this something you always wanted to do? Or was it like a no. gradual thing? I grew up in the church. Like, so in some ways you got to go back two generations. So like, this is how I explain my faith to myself, you know, like, because, because I grew up with it. Right. And uh, so both my parents came from like violent alcoholic households, right? Um, like, and before I was born, they both met Jesus, right? So, so I grew up with it, you know. And and for them, it was like, you know, now like for for them, like it was like Jesus or like violence and alcoholism, the destruction of, you know, like okay, uh, you so, know, like Jesus kind of helped them. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like for them, like this kind, of, and and I mean, my parents were really, really fundamentalist about it through the eighties when I was a little, really like because I you know like when I was really, really little, they were like really hardcore fundamentalists because in some ways they were just like white knuckling everything, right? They're like because it's like they were yeah they're just trying to you know like not be drunks and hit each other, right? Like you know so like literally. Like, my mom remembers being a little kid and, like, having to take apart her dad's shotgun and hide it in various places of the house because he had gotten drunk and threatened to kill everybody. Like, she remembers, like, her mom throwing knives everywhere, right? Like, my, my, my parents have these kinds of stories. And so for them, meeting Jesus was like, okay, we're not doing that. Now we're doing Jesus, you know? <laughs> and, but they did it with a, with a lot of intensity. So I kind of grew up with it, but it was, um, but like I got away from it in kind of junior high because of the fundamentalism, right? It was just like, if you're not, if you don't believe exactly what we believe in the way that we believe it and perform in the way that we expect you to perform, then you're going to burn in hell forever. And I'm like, okay, well, so I just ran the other way for most of the time I was a teenager. Um, but like that kind of Jesus thing never left me like it like i don't think i could have ever called myself an atheist like i don't think i ever didn't believe mm -hmm. but i was like this isn't something i want anything to do with and like uh you actually said uh because even before you said um you didn't like being around people who all thought the same thing like there was mm -hmm. only a part of you that kind of like sniffs out that uh like this something isn't right here right yeah, well, if you grow up with fundamentalism, one of the things you learn is don't ask questions, right? So, 
I grew to really distrust people who didn't let you ask questions, right? So, um, yeah, so that really happens. So if you ask it, like, I'm just trying to think of, like, a Bible story or something like that. Like, I remember being a little kid and asking a really natural question, which is, like, like the story of Noah, Noah and the Ark. That's relatively famous. Like, all of the, two of every animal are, are in a boat. And being a little kid and being like, that's got to be a big boat. And just hearing, you know, <laughs> and just having the Sunday school teacher go, like, it's a miracle. And just, like, just, like, don't. I don't bring it up, you know, and just me being like, just a kid, you're just like, well, that's weird, you know, and then, so, but that starts to expand itself when, especially when you have, like, a lot of really harsh fundamentalist rules of, like, which then go to, like, well, you know, for us, because of the sect I was in, it was like, don't listen to rock music, don't like comic books, don't, like, you know, it wasn't even drink alcohol or anything cool like that, it was just like, don't, don't go to the movie theater and stuff like that, or like, Walt Disney's trying to convert you to Satanism, like, right, where you're just like, what? Like, you know, I, I remember when I was a really little kid, there was a, there's like, we weren't allowed to play with playing cards, right, because like, playing cards were like of the devil and like the the ace was a satanic symbol and like like all of this stuff was satanic symbol so like i was just like i was just playing go fish like i don't like there was just even as a kid being like something about this just doesn't add up for me and that's why i rejected it but then when i got into university so i grew up like christian school sunday school every day all that kind of stuff right um, when I started in university, uh, there was a class. I, was, I thought I was going to be an English major because that's what you did. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a writer. Um, but uh, I took a class called Introduction to the Bible as Literature because it was cross-listed uh, with religious studies in English. But basically the entire class was just like Bible trivia, which – and I'm dead serious. You could have given me the final exam for this, like, 200-level university class when I was grade in grade four, and I would have aced it. Like, I just knew, because it was all, like, how many people, like, it was, like, how many, how many people met Moses at the Oaks of Mamre? And I was, like, three. You know, I just knew that when I was a super little kid. It was, like, oh. uh, yeah, so, and, so, but the only text was the Bible, so it was just, like, I should probably refresh myself with this, and, and uh, and I remember, like, this was back when you could smoke. I'm, I'm a ridiculously old person, but, like, this was back when you could smoke in Tim Hortons. Like, remember? There was, like... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you were that old. Come on. Yeah, well, you could... This was PEI, so PEI is about 10 years behind everywhere else. But, like, it was in the era when they would build, like, big plastic rooms that you could smoke in. <laughs> so... I would go in there and I would just like smoke and, and read the Bible for hours. And it was weird because it was like the closest that I can come for it is like being an adult. And then like, it was just like reading this collection of stories that I hadn't read since I was a kid. And I was like, Oh, these are fucking awesome. <laughs> like, I was just like, I remember, Oh yeah, this story. It was like, if you were a kid and you really loved Lord of the Rings and then as like a third, you hadn't read it in like 25 years and then you pick up Lord of the Rings and you get again and you, you read it and you're like, oh shit, yeah, remember this? And yeah, so that's kind of how I fell back in with it. And and I just wanted to study it, study it, study it more and more. And 
and and I started finding that it made sense of my life, like the moral structure of it, you know, that I I really empathized with the idea of like we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves, which is every religion has that at its core, you know, but like the the living out of that, I was just like, oh right. And these stories, because all like if you actually read Bible stories, every character is a mess, right? Like there's not like a I'm a perfect person and perfect people behave this way, except for Jesus, right? But like every other character, I'm like, oh, I'm like that. I, I'm a mess most of the time. And uh, it really started to make sense in my life. And then in all honesty, I looked at my parents who were really coming out of their own kind of fundamentalist journey at a similar time and re-examining some of the stuff that they believed. And they're still very strong Christians, but they recognize that like they were going through other stuff, right? Like you don't come out of like an abusive background and switch to Jesus, and now everything's fine, right? Like you're, it's like you you white knuckle it for a while, and so in a similar, it was sort of that. All of that was sort of how we were on like parallel, separate journeys at that point in time. And I was just like, oh, oh, right, like two generations ago, like my great grandfather murdered two people in fistfights. You know, like like that's a true story. You know, like the uh, and. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I'm not that far removed from being a really dangerous, violent person. And my parents found Jesus and nobody hit me, you know? And I'm like, that's a good, that's good enough. You know, like, not, there's, it makes emotional sense to me. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense in the way that my story has worked. And I've seen, and now, like, so that's kind of how it came in. And I was just like, and the church... And how I became a pastor is just like, I just was like that when you start learning to, if you go to school to study the Bible, that's sort of the end goal, right? Like that's what they, it's not like you do that and then you go into banking, right? Like it's not. It's not a psychology degree or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go work at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot extra that you can do with that, right? So I was like, I guess I could do that. And then. But what I started to recognize as I studied church history and stuff like that is that the churches, a big C church, like Christians in groups, are simultaneous, are either really great or really terrible, you know? And I just became fascinated at these points in human history where people of faith had bonded together and done something really amazing in the world, like abolitionism, the civil rights movement, the, you know, like those are movements that are inextricably linked to the church, you know, and I'm like, and obviously also you have crusades, also you have, uh, you know, homophobia, and also you have the moral majority and the current nightmare that exists in the U.S. and in Canada and some places, but like at its best, it could be this, and I was like, well, that's pretty exciting, you know, like if I can, if I can give my life to that, you know, like then, then I'm in, you know, so that, that's kind of how that started. That's, you know? uh, honestly, that's amazing. I, one thing I have to commend you on, buddy, it's like uh, you seem like very, very aware of like all the criticisms about religion. Like you seem to be able to be like, yeah, like I get it. Like uh, there's parts of religion that are doing horrible things. And there's, there's, uh, you can, I can tell that you can say like, yeah, no, you can read this stuff and like come up with bad interpretations that do horrible things. And honestly, that's like a, that's a good thing. How how did that like come about? Like, uh, what do you 
like how what what is it like being in your like shoes then like when you're like you're this kind of uh, character and, I don't know characters are well, right no, 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 no. for me it just feels normal right because to me it's just it feels like being awake you know like because part of it there's two things I think that go into it for me is like I don't really feel like I should like. There's people that are like, I chose Jesus. I chose being a person of faith. I don't, and that honestly in many ways feels like something that happened to me rather than choosing it, right? Um, so I don't have any arrogance about it, right? Like I don't, like, you know, I think that, you know, uh, the uh, you know if we believe in like 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 if we want to go to parallel universes theory which is just even if it's not true is a useful tool right like if there's a hundred parallel universes there's ninety five of them where I am not doing and living ex what I am now for a whole variety of experience so so I I just kind of feel like that that that, that I, I feel a gratitude in some ways you know that that I'm I've reconciled with the fundamentalism that I grew up with because I know a lot of people that are that are my age that are still like furious with the fundamentalism that they grew up that are still in a fight with it and I get it you know and I and I applaud them for it but like and I and I but I'm just like wow I'm I'm kind of done with that you know like so and, you, uh, so I would say like you're kind of taking it from both sides then almost like one side's the fundamentalist like the actual like those yeah. kind of people in the church and the other side is the people who try to left it but they're so angry about it yeah well and and it's just like you can't there like some things in the world are subjective and when when somebody comes to you and is like well i don't believe because you know i don't believe in that because i grew here's a list of all of the ways that people who claim to believe what you believe hurt me like you can't ignore them Right? Like, you can't be like, well, you're a liar. That didn't happen. Right? You know, like, so if I'm going to take the ethos, take the, the command to love my neighbor as myself seriously, I got to let people be where they're at. Right? Like, and, and, and there's also another line in the Bible that talks about like mourning with those who mourn and, and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So, like, for people who are in pain, you don't help them get out of pain by being like, well, that pain didn't happen. Or, well, that was just you, <laughs> you know? Like, and it's just like, that's not, it just doesn't work, right? Like, I think, so I, even at that, I don't feel like I've, uh, like, this feels real. like, I guess it just feels really normal to me, you know? Where it's just like, it's just the, it, to me, it's the only way to be honest about it, you know? And, and, I, and I think that there's a lot of people who claim to be Christian whose faith really isn't that strong. So they're terrified that the least little bit of like that Richard Dawkins is going to come and like they're going to smash the hammer in the right place and the whole thing's going to fall to pieces and then what's ever going to become become of me. And I'm just like, well, I'm just not afraid of that. <laughs> Dude, I love that. Um, one thing I've always uh, tried to think about, like, because uh, I grew up in a religious household, not fundamentalist at all. They're very liberal Muslims, but like, um, like, yeah, I, I always got that. Like, when people, when people get really insecure about their religion, or like when they get defensive, I mean, all that yeah. defensiveness is showing is insecurity, and it's like. Yeah. Um, if you're really, if you really do have faith, if you really believe in something more, like, um, if somebody says shit to you, why the fuck are you caring, right? Like, you, yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't care. Like, if you, if you have faith, like, you should be able to brush that off, right? <laughs> like, 
I believe in an almighty God creator of heaven and earth, right? So if somebody at an open mic is like, well, that's bullshit, I'm going to get mad? <laughs> like, I'm going to get, like, the, oh, that's going to shake me? Not like, and I'm not, like, and so it, it, to me, that's so much less interesting. And especially when you, almost every atheist that you scratch, right, that I've met, if you scratch a little bit below the surface, if you get past the 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 scientific reasoning and all that stuff because i think that that's there and that's fine but i think that most of us make decisions based on i've had an experience that was either positive or negative and then we layer on top of that our reason right mm -hmm. and and i think that christians do that and atheists do that and all of us do that right so i'm way more interested i'm less interested in the like well i read the god delusion or or, you know, well, uh, I studied particle physics or I, you know, like I get like, okay, that's, but I'm really more interested in like, okay, but there's, you felt something at one point in time that led you to, be, to believe or not believe, you know? Um, I think I heard Ricky Gervais tell the story a bunch of times about how when he was a really little kid, he loved Jesus. He loved the stories. He loved like going to church. He loved hearing the things. And then like he... At some point, he, like, his brother said something about, like, oh, really? And then his mom, like, 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 basically shut down his older brother to be like, don't, don't distalk Christianity in front of Ricky. And that's where it all fell apart for him. And, and I mean, I'm sure he's got lots of reasons for it now. But, like, I don't want, I don't know Ricky Gervais. But, uh, but I just found that really interesting. That, like, okay, so behind that, there's a story. And the story is always way more interesting to me, you know? Like I, you know, my you've met him. Like there's a guy who used to do comedy in, in Edmonton, Craig Sherber, and he's a PhD in molecular biology, and he's like, and he's not a like he's an atheist for lots of reasons. But like what what I found interesting is like I found interesting. He's like he's like when I study DNA, there's a part of me that is just so blown away that I'm like that I start to that I'm like I could see how you could believe in God, right? Like the like. DNA, like like looking at DNA through a, a, the microscope that reads DNA. I'm an idiot. Um, for him, that was the closest that he got to experience having a religious experience. You know, like and and I, to me, that's just way more interesting than than the like the reasoning of it. You know. Oh man, I 100% agree. So like uh, last week, I just had uh, on. Um... Ali Rizvi, uh, he's uh, author of the Atheist Muslim, so it's a really okay. cool, yeah, it's a really cool book. Um, but like we were talking about this exact kind of uh, what we're talking about right now, right? Um, yeah. But like, yeah, he was just kind of saying like with him, like when he would like go at night and look up at space and just see like the vastness of it. And then this like experience of awe comes, then he kind of like has this like a little bit of thing that gives him an agnosticism almost where he just kind of yeah. like, yeah, maybe there like, there is something more in some sort of way. So like, I'm more interested in that exactly as well. I, I want to find out how we find meaning in life and it comes down to experience, doesn't it? Does it yeah. not, like uh, that, like the experience of awe that um, he felt looking at space, the uh, feeling of awe that you might get when you're like uh, connecting with people and helping them yeah. out. It's a feeling of awe that I get on stage or like just doing this thing. Like it's that yeah. experience. And uh, I think when you're like trying to actually like learn about experience, um, that's where we like actually can find some like things that bring us together. I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that, 
that what all of these things to do, if you I like, okay, so I do my like, and, and the reality is like, I'm not, I'm not a polytheist in the sense that I believe all religions are true. Like, I just don't, I don't think that there's any way to jive that intellectually for me. I'm not smart enough to do that. But what I think is interesting is that from my studies of various religions, if you're going to be a faithful Christian, this I know for certain, a faithful Christian has humility about themselves and w what they believe, and then that turns into compassion for other people, right? I'm a human. God is God. I am not. Therefore, I am cautious and com compassionate to the people around me. Um, I believe that Islam, at its best, teaches the same thing. Exactly that, like, the same. And, yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. That God is God. We are not. Therefore, we ought to be compassionate with each other as we all, you know. And, and so, and 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 I think even the, the like, even if you're a scientific rationalist, like looking at DNA, looking at you know, like subatomic particles, looking at the vastness of space, that also ought to lead you to some sort of humility that like, we are small, there is a vast, you know, and I think too often, if we end up with like, what we see in the world now, and I think one of the things that's so negative about it is like, especially religious, religious people is like, that's one of my kids. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, is what we end up with is like, we don't have humility and therefore we don't have compassion. Like I'm right. And my rightness helps me justify my hatred of everybody else. And I'm just like, that isn't what any of our traditions have taught us. Right. Yeah. And, um, so I, that's actually funny you brought that up because like, uh, that's exactly what I was talking with, uh, Ali about, um, hmm. is, because I was trying to tell him as well, and he agreed with me, and, like, we had a great conversation about it, but, like, I even look at our world right now, we don't have much of any kind of collective anything, like, right. you know, and the, there's, like, it seems like we have a meaning crisis in the sense that, like, we don't really have anything to find meaning from, and that's why I see, like, a lot of these, I would say, like, uh, ideologies are coming out that are very uh, destructive or very, very antagonistic or uh, what's the word where it's, uh, they're, like, very, like, uh, attack-oriented, right? They're like, yeah. trying to, like, attack people, and your whole I ideology is based on attacking other people. Like, I see these kind of things rising up a lot right now, and mm -hmm. I feel like there's just, like, a lack of meaning in the world that people are drawn to these kind of things. Like, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, and this is, I, I, the only thing I disagree with is I don't think it's new. I don't think this is a new phenomenon. I think that this is humanity... But I think that, like, we've had, like, when we're pushed to our, like, what we're seeing is all of us at our best or at our worst. And part of that is that we're able to broadcast all of us all the time, right? And I think that the the mediums that we use have brought out the worst of us in as much as they brought out the best of us, right? So, um, like, so... You know, I've gotten, I get crap online from Christians all the time because I'm not as Christian as they want to be, right? As they want me to be, you know, and, and if I'm not as Christian as they expect me to be, then then in their minds, I'm not Christian at all. And I've been sent by the devil, right? And which is, you know, but it's just like, why are you operating in fear? Like in my mind, like what I come back to them with is like, what are you afraid of? Like, if we all believe in a sovereign God, then he can strike me dead at any point in time, right? Like, and if he wants to do so, but, like, there's a line in, in, in the New Testament in First John where it says, there's no fear in love, 
because perfect love casts out all fear. And, and I think that we have this fear of like, am I going to be okay? You know, I think that that's the, the most basic, whatever okay means, it's like, if we have at our core, I'm afraid I'm not going to be okay, then then we're going to lash out at ourselves and at the people around us. Whereas like what our faith traditions, I think are trying to teach us at, at the core is like, it's going to be okay. You know, like you're going to like, if we can push beyond that, like that, that I'm only thinking of me and my safety and my little tribe and my, the, you know, because the world is scary and violent and you know what or what our faith traditions try to do i think is is pull us out of that and say like actually no you don't have to live in fear you can live in harmony with other people you can approach the world with with joy in your heart because ultimately there's a god out there who cares about you that that may that 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 so you can just approach your neighbor uh, courageously and compassionately um and I think that that's the thing that's lost. I think I think I think we're just so all like all of us are just so collectively afraid. Are we gonna be okay? You know, like anytime I see someone who's just like, well, we need to open up the economy because I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna you're gonna lose what? You're gonna lose imaginary money. Like you're gonna lose like rich people are gonna lose more imaginary money. Like I don't like you know. I saw a woman say something like, I don't care if you call me a grandma killer. Like we need to get this thing open, and I'm like, and I'm like, what kind of nonsense are you talking about? Like, why are you so? Like, I think it's just things that we should be afraid of, like giving each other diseases. That's a worthwhile thing to be afraid of. But like, by the same token, that doesn't mean like I'm so scared that I'm not going to have enough money. Like, is that true? Like, is like really? That's the way that we're all operating in the world, and that just like, especially in North America, right? Like. You know, like I had a lot, like one of the nice things about being a Christian and, and is is that it has opened me up to be connected to more people from different parts of the world, right? So like my my uh, my friend Abib who grew up in Ethiopia, you know, like in, in abject poverty because there was a war going on. It's just like, we're good. Like we're fine. You know, like he's not scared of anything, right? <laughs> Whereas like this, this like rich Christians from Sherwood Park are like, <laughs> I'm terrified that my portfolio is dwindling away. <laughs> it's like, I like you just said you believed in Jesus. Like, do you really believe in Jesus, or do you believe in your portfolio? Well, you know? no. The one thing you said, uh, like that uh, Bible verse in the New Testament about mm. pure love has no fear in it. Like, yeah. So this is like this is something that crosses cultures, religions, philosophy. Yeah. That's, that's some, something like, uh, I grew up so like with Islam and then also like, uh, when I was in uh, university, I was all about, uh, Eastern, uh, philosophies, Buddhism, Taoism okay. and all that stuff. So like that, that's kind of like, uh, I think that's like a part of, uh, it's, it's honestly something like a universal truth. Like, uh, when you do find that pure love, like fear can't exist in there and like fear and yeah. all it's, um, all its different manifestations, right? And uh, yeah. when you do find that, like, it can't exist. And, like, I think our culture is missing that, like, um, component. Like, no one's told our culture that. Like, we were, yeah. never, we were, never, we were never raised, told that in any capacity. 
we get a yeah. little we get a little bit of it in movies and stories and i'm i'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about the story yeah. aspect of that but like um we 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 were not raised that no one's told us that right well, we're told to be consumers, right? Like our entire history for the last however many hundreds of years is is designed to make it to, to train us to be consumers. And at the heart of consumerism is fear, right? I, 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 I'm afraid that I'm not going to have the best stuff. I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough. I'm going to afraid I always need to be in search of more. And... So, like, as much as we'd like to think that we're, like, in North America, specifically a Christian culture, we're a consumerist culture. Our, our, our God is the market, you know? And people that can, and, and we're willing to sacrifice anything to the God of the market. Like, we will sacrifice our children. We will sacrifice our grandparents. We will, you know, we're, like, we're literally going to sacrifice older people and people with pre-existing conditions on the altar of the markets, right? Like ancient, one of the things about studying Bible stories is, is it, it helps you to view, you have to look at ancient cultures and the way that they viewed the world, you know? And one of the things that was very common in the ancient world is like, well, God requires sacrifice. So we're going to sacrifice, literally sacrifice our children, literally sacrifice some people, like people would cut off parts of their body in, uh, sacrificially to their gods. Like, and we have a functional God in the marketplace now that we're about to kill a bunch of people to sacrifice to it. And it's, it's insane, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that, that, that we are the product, our, our, our culture is, is ultimately a religion. I, like I identify it because I just studied religion. Like, is a religious culture of consumerism and it has its theology and its ideologies and its wars and it's everything else that every other religion has. And so we got to constantly be pushing back against that okay. in humans and not just consumers. Yeah. Okay. Um, so can I ask you then, because like, I love how you're like speaking about this as a pastor, like, have you got yeah. pushback from like other people not like uh like just like actual people in the christian organization yeah. like uh, have you got pushback from like how you actually talk like so real like yeah yeah i mean yeah well it's ultimately for most of my life most people have boiled so there's christianity which exists in churches right but the public face of christianity like so there's who we are when we're together right and our insider language and stuff like that and then there's the face that we present to the world and for almost my entire life the face that we present to the world has been primarily about two things uh abortion and and uh and heterosexuality you know and 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 those are the only two things that matter you know and the political movement of the church, which was really, or like, and I've said, you can look at the history about this. It's all available. Like Christianity and specifically a strain of Christianity that I come from, which is evangelical Christianity, was really co-opted by Reagan operatives in the late 70s, early 80s. You know, like it was completely taken over. Um, and uh, that so and and that and over the last forty years, that takeover has become complete to the point where there's a lot of evangelicals in the states that 
like accept Donald Trump as like God's anointed, which is just like to me is just so mind boggling that like how could you read the Bible and then be okay with Donald Trump? That doesn't make sense, right? Like, and when you see the Bible, that like especially when you're the same people that quite rightly I think bashed Bill Clinton for taking advantage of a 23-year-old intern back in 1995. Like, like we ought to have some moral consistency. I think Bill Clinton was an evil dude. He is an evil dude. I think Donald Trump is an evil dude. You know, like, but what's so weird to me is that the, the, the takeover, specifically in the U.S., has been almost entirely complete. And, and that was because there was a group of people who deliberately organized to co-opt religious universities, Christian universities, Christian education uh, facilities, uh, Christian denominations, uh, the Southern Baptists, particularly in the U.S., that they did that on purpose. Like, that wasn't unintentional, right? And so now the faith has almost followed it to where to be for a, a lot of my, uh, for, for a lot of people, this is creeping into Canada, to be a Christian means to be conservative, to keep it means to be politically conservative and the only things that you care about are uh abortion uh anti-lgbtq issues now and uh and keeping this economy chugging along and 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 that is train like but but basically the head of the thing is whatever issues are quote-unquote conservative and that has been an intentional movement that a lot of just Christians, for lack of paying attention, have just fallen prey to. And the other thing is, and I'm sure you probably find this as a, as a, as a Muslim too sometimes, like people don't actually read the text. Most Christians don't read the Bible. You know, and I don't know, maybe the same thing is true of Muslims, where it's not like they don't actually read the Quran that much themselves, but like, you know, so I'll say, well, actually, Jesus said, the Old Testament has a lot of laws about about like banks collecting debts, you know, and how they're not supposed to collect debts in a certain way. And they'll be like, it says that? And I'm like, yeah, it says it here. You've never read it? <laughs> you know? And they'll be like, I, I thought that Christianity was just what whatever conservative politicians happened to tell me that it was, you know? So. No, that's, uh, honestly, that's interesting. So, like, no, thanks for telling me that. And yeah, you're very right. It's like very similar to uh, Islam and we have our different issues, but uh, I do uh, agree with that. So can I ask you though, in the Christian community, like is there pushback against this? Like it seems like you recognize these issues a lot. Yeah. Is there any kind of like organized pushback to this? No, I mean, mostly it's just that uh... – I wouldn't say that there's like an organized like anti me or anti, you know, but there's like, but basically there's just like a group of people that are like, this is what Christianity is. And if it doesn't fit into this box, then it's not Christianity, yeah. you know? And um, so there's, there are other people, smaller numbers that are like, wait a minute, you know, like the way that we think about following Jesus, like Jesus, the Bible says, like one of the things that Jesus says is where your treasure is, literally your money is where your heart is also, right? So then, in theory, if we're going to take that seriously, then our our faith should be in our economics, right? But yet, if you study, like, conservative trickle-down economics, which is I hold on to all that I hold on to, and then maybe you can have some down the line, 
Like that's not in any way looking like what Christianity looks like, right? Like, and you'll see, so, so basically we are, our faith tradition has been, yeah. Like, so, so basically there's, there's people out there who claim to be Christian that aren't in any way, shape or form. And for most of the last 1800 years, wouldn't have been recognized as Christians. People wouldn't have just wouldn't have allowed, like no other Christian would have been like, yes, that person's one of us. Um, that but they've taken the lead so they have the money they have the power they have the platform they have the most followers they have the most listeners to their podcasts they have the most they have the most stuff and and basically the easiest way for them to like make sure everything else gets shut down is to like is the same way as anything else they just ignore it hope it goes away and if you happen to get your voice out then then they just say well you're not one of us anyway you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, hey, man, I like what you're doing, uh, especially uh, with your podcast, uh, Holy Shit. And I'm going to yeah. make sure uh, we uh, get people out. Well, yeah. So I'm actually kind of curious if you don't mind me turning heads on you for a little bit, because I don't really have any psychedelic experience at all. I mean, mushrooms grew wild on PEI. Like, all I know about, all I really know about psychedelics growing up on PEI is that you could trade a bed, bread bag of shrooms for a bread bag of hash in Toronto. Ha, 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 ha. But, like, they were everywhere. They grew, like, I remember, like, we'd, we'd show up for football practice in high school, and guys would be, like, picking, picking shrooms in the end zone because anywhere that you fertilize, shrooms would grow. Um, but, like, how... Like, how, how has that influenced your kind of spiritual trajectory with this stuff? Like, do you feel like psychedelics have been helpful or? Oh, like, I don't think I would. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would be like going as far as I went on the spiritual journey if it wasn't for psychedelics. Like, um, just do like I started doing meditation and yoga years and years ago. And like those things definitely are just like my staples and they helped me a lot. Um, but um yeah, if it wasn't for ayahuasca specifically, when I first tried ayahuasca, like in the jungles of uh, in the Amazon, right? Like that, yeah. was, that was the first time I felt pure gratefulness. No, oh. great, gratefulness is just an offshoot of love. Like love comes in all different flavors, right? We yeah, talk yeah. about joy, we talk about gratefulness, that they all have their different flavor to it. But like um, when I felt pure gratefulness and it like, ayahuasca showed me like um just how lucky i am in my world it, like it showed me memories of my family and just being like look how much like you have people who look out for you and look how much other pain is in the world like it, it gave me this feeling and like now that feeling like because when you come out of a psychedelic experience, it's just so overwhelming and you're just like, holy shit, like, it's just like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then it starts to fade slowly over the days, over the weeks, kind of like how a dream does, right? So right, like, right, right. Yeah, so what you have to do is like, you have to have some sort of spiritual practice to kind of bring those feelings back. Right. And um so with me, my spiritual practice for the most part is meditation, yoga, and uh, I do like to uh, journal and stuff like that. But uh, there has to be something like gratefulness became something like that I need in my life as much as possible. And whenever I, I notice, like whenever I actually move away from it, yeah. I, uh, my, I do feel like I start getting more depressed. I start feeling more sad. I start getting more lost in my life. Uh, my vision of the future gets more blurry. 
And yeah. um, so that's why, like, uh, bringing that gratefulness into my life as much as possible uh, has to be one of my highest priorities that yeah. then I have to look at. So, like, a constant thing I do is just, like, maybe even, like, as simple as just journal about what I'm happy for, like, even during this whole COVID thing, like, uh, yeah. you know, like, a lot of us are having times where we're feeling shitty about each other, or, or about what's yeah. happening. So, like, yeah, I, do yeah. have, I do have to, like, start being, like, what am I grateful for? And like actually start like reminding myself and bring that feeling back to into it. Because at the end of the day, uh, psychedelics are all about experience, like learning mm -hmm. to be in that experience. So yeah, um, I, I, I do uh, like uh, give ayahuasca the love for giving me that fucking gratefulness uh, experience that's like definitely changed my life. Well, I find that really interesting because, like that, that 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 combination of like kind of what, what one of the language, one of the terminologies that we would use in in Christianity is a mountaintop experience. You know, like you would have this like, you know, like like Moses going up to the mountaintop and meeting God, right? That the mountaintop experiences are an incredibly important part of Christian life, but simultaneously, it's it's in the practice, right? And uh, and Jesus talks a lot about follow me. And, and along the way, most of following him is just the day-to-day -day grind of, like, like checking yourself when you want to lash out at someone. Like, that, 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 it's, it, like you talked about, like, it's a journaling, it's a thought work, it's a, it's a, a discipline in the way that you treat other people. And, uh, and I find that interesting because, like, I think, because, like, people are always like, what's the negative way to use psychedelics? And I don't know, but I think, like, if all you were after was mountaintop experience and that never translated into a practice, then it probably didn't do you any good, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Sorry, and I, and I just think the same way about Christianity sometimes. Like you can, like you can go to a conference or a church and have like this amazing experience, but if that doesn't translate into treating yourself and God and other people differently on a day-to-day -day basis, then it doesn't really matter, you know. Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I agree with that completely. This is like the reason I always tell people like, um, cause like now ayahuasca is having this kind of like pop culture kind of thing. So people sometimes right. are like, Oh, is it going to change me? And I tell them like, you have to put in that effort to change afterwards. Like there's no, right. um, there's no nothing that changes you. Like, it's probably the same thing with you. People come up to you and say, like, is this going to help me change? And it's like, yeah. if, if you want to, it, like, change only comes from you. It only comes from you. Well, and, and, and I think that, you, well, I don't know, I, like, I do think that God helps us. Like, I do have that belief. I do think that, but simultaneously, like, I do, I, I've met kind of, like, experienced junkies in Christian circles, where they're constantly going to the next Christian conference or conference or church or whatever where they're trying to have that next like jolt of like experience right like some sort of like it would be very similar to a psychedelic experience i remember because like i've been places where i felt like god is speaking to me directly that i'm in the presence of god with all of these people i've had those kind of mountaintop experiences but but it still comes down to like i still woke up the next morning and then i was like oh and now i gotta like put out the garbage you know yeah. and you know, and, and I think the same way. It's just like if you expect that God, like God, God's, God's command in Jesus was to follow him, right? So you still got to follow, right? Like that's part of like you got to put one foot in front of the other in terms of like interacting with other people, you know, 
figuring your own shit out so you can be the healthiest version of you that there is. Like all of that is part of the practice, but the the mountaintop experience of like having that experience of hearing the voice of God or experiencing some sort of spiritual experience is is really important, but that's not the thing. And and I mean the closest analogy that I give people is like I really love having sex with my wife. Like it's awesome, you know? It's really great. But most of our marriage is not having sex, right? Like most of our marriage is just like we're putting in a bathroom in our main floor, you know, like who's going to feed the kids, you know, like the, like the, the vast majority of our marriage, which is the most important thing is, is that discipline stuff. It's the day to day grind of it. And occasionally on Friday nights at 11.05, we get to have our mountaintop experience, (laughs) you know, like, I, like, it, I like you have it down to the minute. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all of us who are have been in like long term relationships, we get that, right? Like most of it is like the work, and then the mountaintop experiences help like make you it, give you gratitude for the work, give you enjoyment of the work. They give the work meaning and purpose. But like, yeah, I think I wonder if part of what you were talking about earlier about our earlier about our disconnect is like we all want everything to happen immediately. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't happen immediately, then it's not worthwhile. And I think this is pretty common across religious traditions too, is that like, no, things that mean something and have value take time and are worth effort, you know? Oh, yeah. lot, you know, like like there was a guy named Eugene Peterson who called Christianity as a set. He's, somebody asked him to define Christianity, and he called it a long obedience in the same direction. You know, that I, so it's just a long, repeated a day in, day out obedience, choosing someone else's will over your own in the same direction, following Jesus. And I think that that, like, to me, it's just like that's wisdom for so many different things. It's like it's a long, like in some ways, comedy's like that. You know, like it's a long obedience in the same direction. You know, I, I still love that Marin line where he talked about like, you know, comedy is like digging in for twenty years, and, uh, and like like it takes you twenty years to become an overnight success. The only problem is that they don't tell you whether or not you're going to be an over overnight success until after those twenty years. <laughs> that's uh, that's great. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, like the obedience over time. Honestly, that's uh, that's exactly it. Um, the grit, grit, staying with something for a long time, and you believe in it, and you have to have faith almost. Like uh, even like this whole shit about like following comedy as long as I had like. I don't know if I could do this without some sort of spiritual practice. Like, right. Like, cause like it, there has to be for me, it, like there has to be uh, something that's more, that's like actually drawing me because I feel it. Mm-hmm. And like, I did that. That's how I just like keep going with it. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, logically, if I looked at it just completely logically, mm-hmm. it would be smarter to just like dr- jump out and get a, Job, yeah. job and something that I half enjoy because like trust me there's a lot of jobs I look at and careers I look at that I'm like okay I'll half enjoy that yeah. and be able to probably like, find a nice lady settle down have some kids you know like uh, yeah. like this thing it's like I, I put so much time in it and I love it so much 
I grow with it and like my experience deepens and deepens the more I go with it and I just like yeah there's something about it it's just like you have to put in that time it's grit it's grit so like uh the episode's called god yay or nay or the show's called god yay or nay and I'm pretty sure you're a big uh yay if I'm not uh, mistaken yeah I'm 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 definitely a yay and I and I and I have a lot of good and I have a lot of reasons for that and I mean, um, but 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 I but like, and I've already said this. For those people that are nay, you're not my enemy. You know, like I don't. We're all gonna find out one way or the other. You know, and I think for me, if I go to my grave and everything's turned off and that's it, you know, there is nothing else. That's okay. I think I will have. To me, the idea that God gives of himself to us to reconcile us, to make all things new, to fix us in all the ways that we need to be fixed, that's the most beautiful story that I've heard. And if I give my life to that story and it turns out that like at the end of it, it's still just like lights out nothing, and I'm okay with that, right? Um, but so if someone is nay, then like, okay, but like at some point we got to figure out how to live together, you know? And, and I certainly don't see those who are nay as my enemy, nor do I see them as like having to be converted. Uh, like that I got to change your mind, you know, like that's, you know, like that's not my job ultimately. <laughs> like, I, and, and I can't, like, I have, like, I believe in evangelism. Like you tell your truth and I, you share your good news and, and sometimes people vibe with it, but it, like I never like I, ultimately my job, and I think that this is commanded by Jesus, is to is to love your neighbor as yourself, value people as human beings. So if they're like, I think that that's all bullshit. Okay, you know, like we'll find something else to talk about, <laughs> you know, like or we can talk about that, you know, like we can talk about that from different sides. But like ultimately, we don't have to be enemies about this thing. I guess that's kind of how I like I want to hold it with humility rather than arrogant or oh, fear hey buddy i freaking love that like honestly like to, it's very refreshing to see people like in the religious community like with your attitude uh thanks so much dan you are you are amazing guest yeah, uh, awesome, um so tell people where they can find your podcast uh because uh it's an amazing one and uh, i'm gonna be on there next week so uh, yeah you're gonna be on i think monday i'm hoping so yeah yeah, yeah. so like yeah whatever. Confirmed. But, so uh, it, it might be wednesday but um but yeah uh so holy shit is basically uh a podcast where uh i get together with some friends and we have a zoom meeting and we invite some other people in and i tell a bible story and then we talk about it. So one of these people is always a comedian. The other person is uh, is, is hopefully a smart person. A, a lot of comedians are really smart. So. <laughs> but I also like to have I also like to have academics on, like the guy that Mark Sandel, who was on this week. He teaches at uh, University in Edmonton, and uh, and he teaches like Soviet history and thought. So he's just trained in like this is how. I've thought about the story and how people have thought about stories over a long period of time. And I, and so I like to bring in, I like people who have invested a lot of time and energy into learning one thing. Cause I feel like I've invested a lot of time and energy into learning one thing. <laughs> and, and, uh, so yeah, that's kind of, we talk about it. And, uh, and then the question that we always answer is like, 
the at the end of the story talking about the story is should we turn it up should we throw it away and never tell this story again or is there something from this story that we can integrate into the way that we interact with each other in the world so um toss it tame it turn it up so um that's kind of where we've ended right now and yeah we're having some fun with it so yeah just find that at uh just go to my website at dan taylor talks or just google uh it's on spotify it's on uh uh podcast or follow me at dale dan taylor talks everywhere and you'll get the links and stuff so yeah awesome thanks buddy uh i love yeah. what you're doing i love what you're doing thanks so much man i appreciate this this is fun and uh yeah, and yeah, hopefully we'll all be outside and be able to do some comedy shows together soon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, that was this week's episode. Thank you so much uh, for listening. I appreciate the support. The best way you can uh, support this podcast is by going on to Apple or iTunes and rating this podcast. Um, if you give it a good rating and leave a nice comment, honestly, that's the best way to do it. Uh, please check me out on Instagram or uh, YouTube under Newer Kidwife. I'm constantly going to be sharing clips of this podcast and also uh, telling you when new episodes are out and sharing a little bit of my comedy. So thank you so much uh, and uh, tune in to another episode next time on God, yay or nay. <laughs>